Hey, so what's your type? You might think you know, but after today, you're going to want to explore it a little bit further. So here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. Today I have with me Vryn Rao. Vryn is an Enneagram coach and a meditation teacher. And we're going to talk a lot more about the Enneagram today and what it is. But Vryn works with women and those who identify with female energy to build strong and healthy relationships with themselves and others. She does this by using the personality framework of the Enneagram to help others identify their core motivations, which are directly influenced by each of our specific needs and fears. It is our often unconscious needs and fears that have the potential to spill out into interactions we have with ourselves and others in both personal and professional settings. By understanding what we're driven by, we develop a greater awareness, understanding, and acceptance of ourselves and others. Vrin is also a meditation teacher and a lifelong practitioner of the Nada Yoga, which is the yoga of sound, and other yoga methods. She is also well-versed in Tantra, Chakra, Meditation, and other yogas. If you're interested in learning more about how the Enneagram can shed greater insights into your relationships with yourself and others, she offers Enneagram consultations and ongoing coaching. So join me in welcoming Vryn today. We've got a great discussion ahead. So here we go. Hi, Vryn. I'm so excited to have you here with me today and have this chat today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast, Jill. You're welcome. So as I mentioned in the introduction, Vryn is an Enneagram coach, and we're going to be getting into that in a minute. What is an Enneagram for those of you who don't know? And we're going to talk a lot about basically our personalities and all kinds of stuff. But let me start with Vryn, you giving a brief introduction to what you do. Sure. So... As you mentioned, I'm an Enneagram coach, and the Enneagram is an incredible personality framework that really helps to understand who we are, what makes us tick, as we're all such unique living beings, and yet there there are so many similarities amongst us. And so it gives us that ability to really hone in on our uniqueness, as well as find those commonalities amongst others as well. And so I specifically work with women and those who really, I would say, relate or identify with the feminine energy. And what we do is really try to explore what are the motivations, fears, needs, and desires that really run our lives because they show up in all of the interactions we have primarily with ourselves and of course with others. Yeah, that's great. And then you also provide coaching for, I think you said for meditation, I read as well, you, you're a meditation coach as well, correct? Along that with is, the Enneagram? That is correct. Yes. Meditation coach, meditation teacher, and forever meditation student. And so I've been practicing meditation formally, I guess you can say for over 25 years, but was born and raised in a household that practiced meditation. So it's been around me my entire life. 
So these are both really interesting things. And I think you mentioned women. They're both, they wonderfully, you know, pertain to women. Not that they can't pertain to men, but we're going to get into it a little bit as to why and some of the things women face and so how these can be really supportive, great things. So let's talk about personality types. So a lot of people might be very familiar with Myers-Briggs. A lot of us at some point in our life have taken one, whether it might be at a school setting or a work setting. I had a work setting in one of my jobs that was in sales that was really into it. And they really wanted to know where your Myers-Briggs fell. What were you? They felt like it was so important in, in relation to your job. Right. Which is kind of ironic and funny because I was in sales and I'm an INFP. So <laughs> and usually in sales, you're an extrovert. But yes. I listen, I did my job very well. I hit and exceeded all my goals. But they were like, wait, you're an INFP. I'm like, I am. So some people might be familiar with that. And if you're not, I'll just mention to people, you can find it online. There's websites where you can find out what you are. And it's really about the introvert extrovert. However, I was introduced myself to the Enneagram which I think you can almost use them a bit in conjunction. I think that they do sort of go together in some respects. And I read a book called The Road Back to You, Mm. which is all about the nine types, the nine personality types based on the Enneagram. So let's talk about a couple of things. We don't have to get too far into it, but what the basic difference might be between those two personality tests and talk about maybe why it's important to know your type to start off with. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Myers-Briggs is extremely popular. One of the differences, as you were asking about, between Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, there are a few. I'll start off here. And that is Myers-Briggs really focuses on your external behavior, right? And so introversion, extroversion, as you brought up, thinking versus feeling, Mm -hmm. this is all based off of behavior. And one of the things with behavior Mm -hmm. that can be difficult to kind of ascertain is the fact that our behavior changes depending on the circumstance we're in. And so Mm -hmm. very often people feel like it's really difficult to distinguish between am I an extrovert? Am I an introvert? Most people would probably say I'm a mixture of the both. And it depends on the situation Mm -hmm. you put me in. And this is one of the beauties of the Enneagram, I would say. And and this isn't to say one framework is better than the other, but there are, mm-hmm. of course, certain gifts that one framework might really support more than the other. And so with the Enneagram, especially right. with respect to introversion and extroversion, as I'm sure we'll speak about, we'll see that for many people, it actually speaks specifically to that. And it explains why many of us feel like we are kind of pulled in both directions and perhaps we lean more heavily towards one or the other or else. And I think this is where Myers-Briggs can come in really well. We are heavily extroverted or heavily introverted, but most of us are not built that Mm -hmm. way. Most of us are a combination of the both. Yeah. And recently I heard something about, you know, that's the thing with Myers-Briggs. So if you come up as an I for introvert or an E for extrovert, it's not an absolute thing. For Mm -hmm. me, the way, what it really means is for me as an introvert, it doesn't mean that I don't like to socialize or be with people. In fact, my friends will tell you I'm the first one that loves to throw a party or have them over over the weekend and have dinner and a party. But I derive my energy Mm. from some quiet time some solitude. I need that. So as much as I could have fun over a weekend, I then need that recharge time. It also has to do with thinking. So 
I'm not going to be, even with my clients, like I'm not going to give you an answer in two seconds. I like to really think things through and be reflective. Um, It is true to not sort of pigeonhole yourself as something that's so absolute. And somebody who's extroverted, oftentimes, yes, they get a lot of energy by being with a lot of people, reaching out to a lot of people. And that's, again, it doesn't mean that they can't be alone or don't like some alone time too. Yes. I sort of translate it as it's, you know, where are you deriving your energy? And sometimes it has to do with quick thinking, giving a, a very quick answer and thinking fast versus not that you're not thinking, but you want that reflective time to think it through. So I don't know. That's just kind of an interesting way. And I know for me, that's really true. You know, like I said, I like to be with people. And so people have this tendency to say, oh, if you're an introvert, it means you're just like, never leave your house or something. And that's not the case. Yeah. yeah. So although under lockdown, that was the case for most of us. But <laughs> Yeah, but, um, absolutely. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that that's, that's it. It's just that means that like we're comfortable being alone. We almost, I almost need that downtime to sort of recharge my battery. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes, like I, absolutely. Yeah. One of the other- some people can go on and on on like, you know, even a calendar. You can look at it in a business perspective where they can book back to back to back appointments. I have to have an appointment and then I might need like a half hour buffer in between or an yeah. hour buffer between the next call mm. to just sort of regroup. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. It's so true. And I really like that. I appreciate that point about where you derive energy. And and I think like with any personality framework, and this is true of the Enneagram as well, and, and definitely true of Myers-Briggs, it really requires us to understand personality frameworks in a much more nuanced way. And so for mm-hmm. the Enneagram and Myers-Briggs, it really forces someone to see past just what is superficial. And like you mentioned, introversion, extroversion, that can feel very superficial. But if we can really go deeper to understand kind of like what you were saying, I see it as where I'm deriving energy from, that's going deeper within the framework. Mm -hmm. And that's really where Mm -hmm. we derive the greatest benefit from. So I guess to start off, you know, when you're coaching somebody, I'm assuming the first thing you do is you want to find out what is their personality type, right? And how is knowing that one of the ways we start off with building a stronger relationship with ourselves? Mm, Yeah, great question. So that's absolutely true that one of the first things that I do with any client is kind of dedicate that first session to essentially an Enneagram consultation. And so what that kind of looks like is asking a lot of in-depth questions, which really seek to find out the motivation, which is driving someone's behavior. And so this is really where I would say the Enneagram differs from Myers-Briggs, at least externally. And that Mm -hmm. is the Enneagram is looking to the motivation of the behavior. It's not Mm -hmm. looking at the behavior and then categorizing somebody as something. And so that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can be in a room with 10 people, they're all exhibiting the same behavior, and yet the motivation for that behavior can be very, very different. Yes. And so I don't know if this is accurate, but when I was learning about the Enneagram, basically the philosophy is that it says that it's something that happened very early on in your life that created the way you are. And it doesn't mean that it's a traumatic or negative event, Mm. but the events in your life in childhood, there's something there that formed that motivator. Did you ever 
hear are, that? Or? There are different schools of thought. So some schools of thought are that, and I believe John Riso and Russ Hudson, who really brought the Enneagram into the forefront in North America, speak mm-hmm. to you're born with your type. And so it's yeah. not necessarily even a childhood event that takes place, but rather mm-hmm. it's you come in with this psychophysical wiring, so to speak. Yep. And then, yep. so that's the nature function. So you're born with your type, but the nurture function, that's really where things can get very, very interesting. So I mm-hmm. personally have seen people mistype themselves because mm-hmm. they have been raised in a culture that values something that is very different yep. than what they innately live by, essentially, or, or manifest. And so they've kind of conformed to that culture. But upon yeah. a deep questioning, we've figured out that actually, no, you're not that type. And that also speaks to even countries and, and different organizations and cultures. You can say that there's an ethos of a type within that. And Super so, interesting. Right? And so that can really play to someone's bias, right? Because mm-hmm. very often we want to belong to the culture or to the group that, that we identify ourselves with. And so, for example, if I may, the type nine or the energy of the nine on the Enneagram is known as the peace seeker. And very Mm -hmm. often within meditation and yoga circles, I have seen people who are slightly familiar with the Enneagram immediately saying, I'm a type nine, because it kind Mm -hmm. of espouses the whole culture of yoga and meditation. But very Mm -hmm. often people are not nines. (laughs) They aren't. They may be imbibing those things. Yeah. Because it serves them and it serves that group and that culture that they that they aspire to belong to, but it's not innately mm-hmm. who they are. Yeah. The other thing about the Enneagram that I thought, like you said, uncovered it a little bit deeper was when and when you look through the book or if you work with a coach, if somebody ends up working with you, but there's something called wings. So like yes. you might be a nine, but your wing might be a six or an eight. So it does take into account some of the other personalities and how they interplay and to make up the whole personality. So it does it does take a little bit more into account, I think, than the Myers-Briggs. I mean, personally, I'm biased. So I will say that. (laughs) And I'll also put it out there that I'm biased. I mean, the Enneagram has really transformed my life. And this point you bring up about the wings is actually very, very powerful. And going back to that original point you had mentioned about introversion, extroversion, this is really where the wings show up. So our primary Mm -hmm. type may be extroverted, introverted, or in one way, you could call it almost neutral. And then the wing can also be extroverted, introverted, or neutral. And so then you have different combinations of that. So I think I had mentioned to you in a prior conversation, I think that once you determine your type, like you said, sometimes you want to, well, it may not be as common or what's expected, but I think accepting your type is really important. You know, like I know that about myself as far as needing my energy, needing my quiet time to, you know, my energy to come from that, needing that I know or need a few extra minutes to think about something. And knowing that about myself and then accepting that about myself, I can't explain it, but it just, it feels really good. 
Yes, it's so true. And and speaking to, I mean, what you do, Jill, right? I mean, you really work with people who are coming from an environment of the city, and they're making this transition to suburban life. The energy or like the types in some ways that you could say are valued in the city may not be the ones that you will find within suburbia. And that can cause truly an existential crisis. And so for some, you'll notice that they take to suburban life like a fish to water. And then Mm -hmm. for others, it puts them in a tailspin. And the reason for that is because perhaps innately they are wired in this way that they could truly embrace the Mm -hmm. suburbs, but they've never given themselves that permission because they've worked on a different energy within Mm -hmm. the city or they are just wired for the city. And then, then it really does take a different type of adjustment and understanding how those qualities, which they really seek to manifest, which were appreciated in the city, how can they be transferred to their new way of life? Yeah. And I think that's where building a stronger relationship with yourself comes in because once you start with, okay, the type, the acceptance of that type, right? Yeah. That's where we begin. And we're going to talk about this city to suburbs transformation, as well as I think other things that females go through like motherhood and careers and all that. Before we do that, let's talk about knowing your Enneagram type. How does that tie into knowing about your motivations, your fears, and your needs? Mm. So one of the things I can speak from my own experience, and, and that is if you had asked me about six years ago when I was first introduced to the Enneagram myself, and you asked me, are you a self-aware person? I would probably, I wouldn't probably blink at all. And I would tell you, absolutely, I'm self-aware. And I think for most of us, Typically, the answer would be, I think I'm pretty self-aware or yes, I'm self-aware. And what the Enneagram does and, and really finding out your type does to you is it provides a language to speak about those things that you unconsciously have felt or experienced or even consciously felt or experienced that you could never really put words to. Mm-hmm. And that becomes very powerful. So the whole piece about motivation, for example, many of us may think we know what we're motivated by, but mm-hmm. what the Enneagram does is it gives very specific language to speak to it. Mm-hmm. And then when you have language, it becomes so much more powerful because then truly I feel like the journey to self-awareness and acceptance, as you mentioned, truly begins. Yeah. And you're right. It does give you a very different awareness, the Enneagram, I think. You know, when you learn about your personality traits and particularly what is the motivator, right? Yeah. I felt like that was huge. So we'll get into now talking about changing from the city to the suburbs. So first off, let's just start with moving in general, no matter whether it's from a city to suburb or within the same zip code is one of the top life stressors. Absolutely. Then you mixing in with it, large, fast paced, dense city to now more open space country. Things are further apart. Things are a lot different. Move at a different pace. Then you factor in when I think of the female in the house, they might have been coming now from a single or a couple with no kids, right? Both working, maybe one working. Now we throw in suburban mom, suburban working mom. 
all kinds of changes, all types of things to juggle. So I think that some of these changes, whether you're handling one of them at a time or two, like if you're a new mother and you've just moved to the suburbs, if you've been working full time and now you're not because of COVID and you're just in the suburb, whatever it is, whether you're having one, two, three of these stressors, I think it's easy to feel like you might have lost yourself, your identity, right? Absolutely. And I think for women especially, it can feel isolating. It can feel lonely. You can feel lost. And I, you know, looking back, because I went through a phase of that on my own, it's a time for rediscovery. And that's the exciting part about it. But Mm. women need to feel empowered to do that. I think it's easy to get bogged down with, oh my God, I'm like stuck in this big house. Now, especially with it's COVID, right? You can't even really go anywhere. I'm homeschooling, right? Maybe I am working from home and trying to balance all that with my husband also working from home. Or maybe there was a career change or a job loss due to COVID. You know, there's a lot happening. So I want to discuss, you know, women empowerment and having these kind of things happen and transpire in our life that seem like a low point. But if we're empowered, how we can sort of turn that around and pivot it into something kind of wonderful. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I can speak to my own example. It's kind of the opposite. So first of all, I'm Canadian. And and so before I moved to New York, I was living in Toronto where I did grad school. And then after Toronto, I was trying to find a way to stay there because for me, I'm personally a big city person and Mm -hmm. nothing really worked out there. And so I ended up finding a job where my parents lived, which is in Ottawa, which is a smaller, more suburbia lifestyle type of town, capital of Canada. And when that happened, I really went through an existential crisis because Mm. I was geared to move fast and Mm -hmm. socialize and just kind of really be involved in a lot of projects. And and, and that was really where I felt my value. That was it. And now Mm -hmm. here I was moving to, you know, slow paced Ottawa. And I felt like I was dying. And I, I really did. And I went through, I definitely went through some depression. And it's painful because how do you explain that to somebody? And I think that for women, especially, how do you? It's just, there is a ethos around, you know, get it together. You can kind of have it all. You can, you know, like all you Mm -hmm. need to do is just kind of pump yourself up, you know, go take the bull by the horns. And Mm -hmm. it becomes very difficult to actually speak to that. And I'll say that it was only after when I met my husband, moved to New York, and then kind of came back, you know, like fish to water in Mm -hmm. that lifestyle and came across the Enneagram, I realized that for myself, the big motivation for me, what drives me is to feel and to be of value. And Mm -hmm. when I am not in environments where I'm unable to see how that can be manifested and how Mm -hmm. I need to adjust in order to, Mm -hmm. to, to kind of experience that it feels like a death. It does. Yeah. It feels like the ego is dying because the ego is just to simplify it. You can say it's a collection of identities that we hold very dear. And when those identities are being called into question, we are triggered like nothing can trigger us. And this is actually where I would also say the Enneagram becomes really powerful. And perhaps for your listeners, especially for women, this can be so helpful. So we have our type, but then in stress and in growth, we can Mm -hmm. move towards another type. Mm 
And so Mm. take, for example, you're more of an extroverted type. In stress, you might actually move towards introversion. And then you you feel crazy. You feel like, hey, this is not who I am. What is happening to me is something wrong. And this is really where I feel the power of the Enneagram comes to life. Because by understanding, Mm -hmm. oh, this is how I cope when I'm in stress, right? Mm -hmm. I haven't lost myself, but I'm feeling as though I'm losing myself. What can I do? That is empowering. That is empowering. Yeah. And it goes back to that awareness. There's even an episode out today that I did and another one where it's very common for people moving from a major city to the suburbs to feel a sense of loss and mourning. Yes. And for women, then it becomes, well, what's my identity now? Like, am I just a suburban housewife? They sort of label themselves. Absolutely. Um, And so that can also become a beautiful thing because it can become an impetus to say, okay, what is my next chapter here? Because there can be one. Yeah. I think that it's really a common feeling and there is so much transition happening. And so knowing your personality with, you know, the guidance of the Enneagram, I think really just shows you kind of like you said, where your motivations are, where your fears are. And that's empowering. Yes, just it knowing it. Yeah, right? exactly. And also knowing that there are others who are built like you. And also yeah. the awareness that there are others who aren't. And so then that artificial comparison, right, you move to the suburbs, and then you see, you know, your next door neighbor who seems to have it all, and they're happy. And you feel like, am I crazy for not being happy? (laughs) Yeah, that can also can cause all kinds of guilt, shame, all of these emotions that most of us have never really learned how to handle or learn from, because they're actually learning devices, they're not there to kind of pummel us down, but actually to bring to light something, right? And so this is where empowerment really comes from, I think, when I start to realize, wow, I'm built very differently from this other person. This doesn't make sense to even compare. You know, when I was reading the Enneagram, it's also important and sort of cool to look at the people close to you in your life and what personality type they are. Absolutely. Because once you're aware of that, you have much greater understanding of your interaction with them Yes. And understanding other people and like, quote, what makes them tick, right, can really help in relationships. I mean, I think that's huge. Yes. And and that's where I primarily focus most of my coaching on. It's kind of funny, you know, at the beginning, Jill, you were mentioning that, you know, what do you go by? Do you go by life coach? And, And I mentioned Enneagram coach. And the reason for that is people often come to me with so many, I would love to, you know, accomplish this, become this, do this. But ultimately, what I notice is everything ends up boiling down to relationship with myself, relationship with other people. That's where it begins and ends. And if those two pieces are healthy, and even if they're not completely healthy, but it's moving in that direction, everything else falls into place. Yeah. I always feel like having an understanding of other people helps so much in the relationship with other people. You know, when we just take a minute to understand because their motivations could be coming from a totally different place. And without taking a second to stop and realizing that you may quickly get offended or uncomfortable or whatever. But if you look at what their motivation is and you understand it, you're like, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. I get that's how they do things. That's how they're 
you know, wired and I'm wired this way. So like, how do we, you know, even in a business setting, I would think for companies to do this, it would be great if you knew what Enneagram your boss was, right? And your coworkers and people up the corporate ladder. And I mean, I can't just families, friends, it could really have a wonderful effect, I think, in understanding relationships and making it just so much more acceptable on so many other levels. Definitely. It also, to riff off of what you were just saying, Jill, is that it also allows you to understand the type of language to use around those individuals. Because language is so subtle and can have such a profound impact and can cause so much triggering. And so my husband and I like to joke around and we say we unconsciously step on each other's landmines. We don't even know. Right? We don't know. And then somebody blows up at you. And whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's with your kids, and you kind of walk away going, I don't know what I just did. But knowing one's Enneagram type, or even having a good idea of what it could be, when we recognize that these are the fears, these are the needs, and these are the motivations somebody is built by and around, then my language starts to change as well. My tone starts to change, right? There are some people, if even in your enthusiasm to share something, you can overwhelm them, right? (laughs) This would happen between myself and my mom. I would come out and I was just like, start, you know, just excitedly sharing something. And it was only years afterwards with my own knowledge of the Enneagram that I started to recognize, wow, she would sometimes shrink away from me. And I wouldn't even, one, I didn't have that awareness before. And two, then it actually made me stop and think, what am I doing? You know, in my excitement, am I actually overwhelming somebody else? How can I share my excitement in a way that they can receive it? Right. See, because without that understanding on the service, it might look like I'm really excited. She's not excited for me. And then you feel upset with her. Right. And so you're right. And so I think even you and I were having a conversation. There's somebody I know who's an eight in the Enneagram and somebody close to them and their family is a three. Mm. And if I misspeak, you can correct me. But the three is more of a nurturer. You know, eights can be very direct. Right. They're very sort of extrovert, direct, maybe could even, you know, not bossy, but sort, you know, they're sort of taking the lead and the three is their nurturer. And so in that relationship, the eight realized like when I sort of come at her, almost like what you just said, it's too much. And Mm. like, and then I just lose her. Right. So understanding that she was a three, now she directs her communication to her a lot differently. Mm. And now the relationship works a lot better. So yeah. 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 Definitely. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. And especially if it's a three with a two wing, the twos are especially known to be nurturing. Oh my God. Yes. That can definitely, it can make it very, very difficult for the two to, yes. to handle that because they're coming from a place of care and affection. If one doesn't recognize that actually the eights can really protect their hearts, they come off sometimes as being abrasive. And then there's so yes. much miscommunication that takes place. Yes. And that's what was happening. And then once they realized, they were like, oh, (laughs) and it became so much easier. Yeah. So having said that, when you're working with someone and you're coaching them, once you establish their personality type, what is it you then do? I just want to tell our listeners so they understand too, because we'll be posting in the show notes and stuff after and letting you tell everybody, you know, where to find you. But how does the process work with you when somebody hires you to help them out in this area? 
Sure. So what we typically do once we find out somebody's type, that really starts to open up like I mentioned before, language and also a greater perspective on perhaps what are the things to be worked upon. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. we take it really small steps at a time. And so around the realm of personal relationship, relationship with myself, that is the place that we normally start. And so starting to unpack some of those stories, narratives, identities, really, that are not serving the individual. Because in Mm. order to achieve anything, it's typically the inner narration that is somehow preventing us from actually moving forward. And so when Mm -hmm. we start to unpack that, then we really start to get into the specificity of that person's type. And Mm -hmm. that starts to bring a lot more awareness to that individual. And so Mm -hmm. what we really start to do is kind of create a personal awareness building plan. Mm -hmm. And we do this in small steps, which could include both physical exercises in terms of getting into the body, whether it means Mm -hmm. journaling, whether it also means sometimes moving somebody out of their comfort zone in terms of whether it be having a difficult conversation, but doing it in small incremental steps that are specific and attainable. Yeah. So like somebody who's made this, you know, moving transition and maybe even career transition, would you suggest that this type of coaching could really help them because they can really tap into themselves a bit better and become empowered? I would. And one of the main reasons I would I would say that is really to give somebody a heads up in terms of what stress and growth might look like. So almost Mm. before, I would say that this would work either prior to someone moving, which really would be the ideal, or else even Mm -hmm. afterwards, shortly afterwards, any point in time. Mm -hmm. But if you do this prior to moving, then what you have is almost a a landscape of possibilities that might take place. And you already have some built-in awareness of what might come about. And so if you're moving towards growth, fantastic. But if you're moving towards stress, you now have an idea of what that might look like and what you can do to combat that. But more importantly, feel empowered that you're not going crazy. Yeah. I mean, it really can help you cope. I really think that it could be a coping mechanism by going through this process and learning with you, you know, your Enneagram and and all these things about it. So I really think it's fantastic. And I think it's so applicable to, you know, our audience and to the female audience for sure. Let's briefly talk about meditation because you are also a meditation coach. So I'd love for you to touch on that and what you do in that regard as well. Sure. So I've been practicing meditation for most of my life. I have a daily practice of two hours of specifically mantra meditation, but I also Mm -hmm. include with that stillness meditation, yoga nidra, which is a beautiful meditation that is done lying down with your eyes Mm. closed and which allows for complete relaxation on three levels, actually on the physical level, on the emotional level and on the mental level. And Mm. so- and that is one meditation that I, I feel very strongly and deeply about and something that I teach privately to people as well as offer group classes on because it can be great. incredible, really. Yeah. 
Well, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to wrap up by asking you a last question before we get into telling our listeners where to find you and all that good stuff. Is there anything you recommend in people's home furnishings, design regarding meditation spaces? And once you find out your personality, anything you should place in your home to support your personality type? Hmm, beautiful, beautiful question. So I would say the first thing that comes to mind is that the yoga texts speak about three types of energies that we can create. And you can find this pretty much in any realm of life and even within the time of day. And these three energies, broadly speaking, are classified as goodness, passion, and ignorance. Now, goodness is all of those things that help to elevate consciousness, that bring forth wisdom, clarity, and peace. Passion are those things that really help you to strive and achieve your goals. So that requires Mm -hmm. like a push of energy. And so you can Mm -hmm. see this even throughout the day that typically, you know, prior to COVID, you know, that time of passion during the day is any time between 637 and about 8 Mm p.m. at night where people are moving, Mm -hmm. people are hustling, you know, making deals, doing all of those things. And then ignorance isn't necessarily as bad as as it sounds, but it's a shutdown of the body. Mm -hmm. And without Mm -hmm. it, we wouldn't be able to sleep because we would just be wired. Right. Uh, And so for meditation, what we really need is we want to fill our home and our space with those things that promote this, this energy of goodness. And so Mm. cleanliness is key. If you can't do anything, make sure that your environment is as clean as possible because it Mm. has a tremendous, tremendous effect on the mind. And then along with that cleanliness, if you can keep that area, if you are so lucky to have a room or a nice corner that you can spare to keep it as minimalistic as possible. Because Mm -hmm. with meditation, what we're trying to do is really withdraw the senses inwards. Because Mm -hmm. when the senses are stimulated, they're providing information to the mind. And that's what causes the mind to like constantly be spinning. But when we really pick and choose very intentionally, just a few things and keeping that space very clean, what it does is it actually calms the mind down. Mm -hmm. That's great. And so I would be very, very picky and choosy in terms of what I decide to decorate with muted tones, nothing too, Mm -hmm. too loud, you know, plants, nature, a lot of windows, light, if possible, those would be some of the pieces. And scents are good too, right? Scents can be very powerful. Once again, if done in a muted kind of way, because otherwise then the mind will just get fixated on that scent and, and very quickly it'll be like, Ooh, this smells so good. I should go, where did I get it? Let me go back to that store and oh. let me check it out. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so Do some sense calm your mind or some sense. So I would say those that again, and this would be very individual to a person, something that perhaps they've grown up with that they associate with calmness. Oh, that's great. 
Here's what we're going to do. We're going to close the show by you telling everybody where they can find you, Instagram, website, wherever. We will post it in the show notes. I am also going to mention that the Enneagram book that I read was called The Road Back to You. You can also get your Enneagram on the web, but I'll also let you give any resources for the Enneagram as well. Sure, sure. And so thank you so much again and really hope that for your listeners that this was an episode that could could truly be of service and really wishing the best for anybody making these transitions, whether it's from the city to the suburbs or vice versa. But you mm-hmm. can find me either on Instagram and my handle is at illuminate.nyc. That's I-L-L-U-M-I-N-A-T-E dot N-Y-C. Or else you can also check me out on my website. It's illuminate.nyc. And for Enneagram resource, do you also like that book, The Road Back to You, or do you have another resource on that one? The Road Back to You is fantastic. The Bible, if anybody is really interested, it's has been written by Don Riso and Russ Hudson. It's called The Wisdom of the Enneagram. It's fantastic. Okay. But maybe I will leave everyone with just perhaps something a little bit thought-provoking. And this was came up in a conversation I had with my husband last night. And that is with any of mm-hmm. these personality frameworks, there is a big piece of self-assessment That said, Mm -hmm. it also predicates on the premise that we are Mm self-aware. So Mm -hmm. these books are fantastic. I highly, highly recommend people getting a better understanding of the Enneagram through that. But if you really want to understand your type, doing something live, whether it's through a workshop, whether it's through a consultation, whether it's even just getting a friend to to ask deeper questions can be mm-hmm. extremely powerful. Yeah, no, it's great. It's been so amazing having you here today and having this discussion. And I hope it piques some curiosity to our listeners and learning more about the Enneagram and certainly knowing that you're around to work with one-on-one, which I think is amazing and a way to really deeper dive into it. So thank you so much, Rin, for being here and coming to us with all your great knowledge today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jill. Really happy to be here and, and to share. Thank you. Great. And maybe we'll connect soon because I might do a one-on-one with you to really go deep on mine. (laughs) So we'll see how that goes, right? It'd be cool. All right. I'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Vryn and maybe it made you a little bit curious about the Enneagram if it's something that you don't know about. The book is really easy to get through. And it's really easy to look through and start to identify what type you think you might be so that by the time you get to the end of the book, you can really figure that out. There's also a website that is available where you can do the online version as well and see if, you know, it comes up as accurate. Mine came out pretty much the same both ways. So the book is actually in my Amazon store. You can find it in Amazon directly. And then the other book that Vryn mentioned also sounds like a really good one. I might even pick that one up as well. But certainly knowing about ourselves as much as we can and what motivates us really helps our empowerment, you know, knowing who we are and knowing the others around us and how to interact and communicate and, you know, have successful relationships. So I think it's great that she coaches on this. I had no idea there was a coach for it myself. And again, I might even take her up on diving a little bit deeper into mine because, you know, just the little bit of work I did with it through the book, it really is cool learning, you know, about yourself 
you know, you think you know, but then when you read it and you're like, oh yeah, that really makes a lot of sense. I get it. That is who I am. That is why I do what I do or behave like I behave or whatever. So I hope everybody enjoyed it. I hope you'll follow Vryn and certainly look into her coaching if that interests you. But if not, pick up the book and do a little bit of reading online about the Enneagram. It's pretty cool. Thanks, guys. See you next week. So I hope you're enjoying the show. I know for me, it's been amazing. And I love connecting with all the guests I've had on and connecting with you, the audience. So it's still a young podcast. And so in celebration of that, I want to announce a second giveaway promotion. I am going to be giving away one of my online one-to-one digital services. It is a $500 value. It is ideal to help you if you are moving and need to start getting some decorating done for your home. So all you have to do to win is subscribe, rate, and review this show, and I will pick someone at random. It will probably be selected within the next four to six weeks. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you, and I hope you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.